The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Good looking chair, Rick. And we are live. Welcome to the Weekly Harvest Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations, Community Relations with the Brandon Wee Kings. He's Brandon Crow, the voice of the Brandon Wee Kings. And right off the bat, as you can see, if you are uh, watching live to the live stream version of the podcast, right below us, uh, we are joined by two guys who both have Wee King ties, uh, both greats in their own industry. Excited to get into both their stories. We're joined right off the bat with Ray Ferraro and Darren Drager. Thanks, guys, for joining us here tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Well, we we're trying to keep busy, and as you guys know, this is this is the new norm. Um, and you guys doing TV hits, and I'm sure other podcasts and everything to keep yourself busy. So, aside from that, I'll start with you, Dregs, because we kind of were talking to Ray a little bit before. What outside of work have you been doing to keep yourself busy and sane during this crazy time? Growing a goatee. <laughs> Yeah, maintaining the goatee. Um, I've had a couple of haircuts, walking the dog a lot. It's so damn cold here that the grass doesn't even grow. So, you know, I can't even exercise my right as a proud Western Canadian. I'm getting out there and making things grow because it's just too cold to have any of that stuff happen here in Ontario at the moment. Uh, But no, aside from that, it's business as usual. You're right. I mean, Ray and I are uh, constantly on search for, you know, some interesting Ray and Dregs hockey podcast guests. And in the meantime, we've got insider trading twice a week and uh, other elements, uh, radio hits and whatnot that actually keep us pretty active, I would say, five of the seven days a week. With with all this, would you actually say that in some respects that you're almost a little bit more busy at times, it seems? I am, no question about that. And, and Ray can jump in on this too, because um, I feel like we're the two hardest working people right now at TSN. Uh, so I think <laughs> we need a new agent is what needs to happen. Um, I feel like it's almost relentless. Like I look at my schedule every day and outside of the travel for, for me, um, I, I'm, I'm really busy. Um, now, of course, we're not, it's not manual labor or anything like that, but you're trying to keep up with what's going on. And there's always, as of late, certainly, there's lots going on. Uh, Dregs and I right now, uh, had things been on a normal timetable, we'd be in Switzerland for the World Hockey Championships, but we're, you know, I do three radio hits a day. I've got the podcast. And uh, this past week, I was taping segments for that uh, Canada 7 team that uh, uh, TSN put out the seven Canadian teams and so there's always something going on and you know I've got two small kids we're trying to homeschool which we are no good at and they have worn us down the 13 and the 10 year old they've worn us down so it's basically like keep your guys keep yourself upright and we'll try and get to tomorrow yeah I've got two small children as well one's 21 and the other one is 18 and a half but I'm tired of both of them have they moved <laughs> back in with you Darren yeah, yeah. So your your grocery bill is through the roof, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, look, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, initially, it was kind of fun because you know you're used to not having your kids around you, and then automatically, you know, they're there uh, all day long. And it was fun for the first six weeks, 
and now it's less fun and we're starting to pick at each other. So uh, they're probably just as eager for the world to get back to whatever normal is uh, than I am to have them get back to whatever normal is. But uh, well, no, it's been good. Well, what about this though? Like, was everybody like watching shows together and playing games and all that stuff when this started? Cause we were now I'm like, I don't want to watch TV anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm sick of it. I, the, the only thing I'm watching honestly is the Jordan documentary. Like I, I don't want, I was like, what series should I watch next? And I'm like, I don't want to watch any more series. We don't play yeah. any more board games. We're all tired of playing board games. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a show Deadwood. It was a oh, Western. Yeah. I went back and watched it. There were 31 hour episodes. <laughs> I spent 30 hours watching this thing. Like what the hell was that? Yeah. And then we then we wasted seven hours of our life and watched those jackasses from Tiger King. <laughs> I was, was gonna ask recommendation. What a collection of nitwits that was. <laughs> like, How about that place is open again? I saw it's that. And and, and and attracting big crowds too. Crazy. It's still that crazy guy, isn't it? That Joe, not uh, the guy that came on afterwards uh, with the, oh. the poor fashion sense, the leather jackets and the yes, Ed right. Hardy t-shirts. I proudly have not seen an episode and I'm not sure what you uh, guys, like I know you guys are talking about, but I, I refuse. Well, stay away. I refuse to, yeah. For your for your own personal well-being. Yeah. You feel like you need a shower every time you wash that kid. Just just to save those hours. And drags at least by 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 your kids' age. Hopefully you're out of the Fortnite stage then. Because it's been a lot yeah. of that going on. Yeah, their husband. Uh my son, I think, still gets caught, you know, in that rabbit hole uh once or twice a week. <laughs> um, but we live next to a conservation forest, so one of the upsides is that he actually spends a lot of time in the forest. I don't know what he's doing in there. I have no idea. Hopefully it's legal, um, but he's, he's at least getting some uh, fresh air. You know what we did watch this weekend, Ray? I don't know if you guys have seen it, is Waco. And of course, oh yes, we all remember you know what went down in, in Waco, Texas, and none of it was good. But holy smokes, I mean, it's one season, six episodes. So, I mean, you're driving straight up the mountain and then right over the cliff uh, by uh, episode five. So if you're looking- Now, is it, is it uh, actors or do they have real footage or what do they got? Little of both. Yeah. A little of both. Yeah. It was very well done. I, 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 it actually got me going on, you know, kind of a rabbit hole myself into YouTube, watching the old news clips and everything. And yeah. it was very, I, I thought it was uh, pretty well done, but uh, that to me was, far more interesting and well more educated than tiger king i'll tell you that much my wife got through about one episode of tiger king and she looked at me and said i am out of here and then every day when i watched it i just could feel her staring at me from the island like, <laughs> like why are you wasting you doing, your time right? exactly yeah. see my wife was the same with deadwood because ray insisted that we try at least one episode um i was more into it i felt like this was something that i could gravitate to but you've got to have a pretty thick skin when it comes to the vocabulary of Deadwood, because there's some uh, there's some creative words being tossed around there. Well, I have to talking about video games. One of the questions I had sent to me was if you're raised kids and they're playing the game, EA Sports, NHL and Ray's doing the commentary and they got the TV up. Is that Cammy's worst nightmare? Because she's got you talking in the kitchen and then the boys and you doing the commentary on the TV in the other room. Well, actually, the boys put me on mute a lot, <laughs> which is which is not even a story. That's true. But I can imagine that's not Cammy's favorite time of day. 
I will tell her one, she's not here right now or she would confirm this. We went to, one of my favorite artists is James Taylor. And we went to this unbelievable outdoor concert James Taylor was, was playing. And so of course I'm singing all the songs and I said, this must be unbelievable for you. You get to listen to him and you get to listen to me sing <laughs> along. I terrible singer. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is what I always hope for. <laughs> do you talk in your sleep? Like, do you ever wake Cammy up at night, Ray, with look at the speed of Connor McDavid? You know, just replaying <laughs> some of the EA sports you've been doing for hours and hours and hours. No, I uh, apparently I don't believe it, but apparently I snore a little bit. Oh, I don't get it. I don't think so. Um, she's threatening a video. <laughs> That'd be a great part of the intro on the Ray and Dregs podcast. Nice little sound hey, effect. And as long as she knows that's a two-way street, because my wife Holly used to threaten that all the time and actually recorded me one time snoring. And I snore a lot, not a little. I snore. I get it. I understand it. But then I found some stuff that she does in her sleep, which I also recorded. And <laughs> now we're even. Now the game isn't as fun anymore. I was this. If you're going to get into a game of, of screwing around with stuff like that, you don't want to be playing Drager. No. Because he is, I, he sent pictures of, you know, like of me eating and, you know, like foods hanging out of my mouth. And he just sits over there and takes a picture and then just texts it to me. <laughs> what are you doing? Why, why is this amusing to you? Well, I have to admit, uh, when the Ray and Dregs podcast dropped, I was one of several people in Brandon, especially the guys in the Weeking Offs were excited. Uh, I love it. I think you guys have done a great job. But one of the kind of reoccurring themes I've heard a few times was 1983. And it was a great year for Ray Ferraro. And he scored 108 goals. And Dregs likes to make sure that everybody knows that that's the case. Uh, Ray, I'll, I'll give you a chance right now. What do you want to say to Dregs to de maybe defend yourself a little bit about your 108 goals and what a great accomplishment it was? Well, I think, and I, you know, like if – I don't even know if Drake scored a hundred goals in all his years. So you are kind of, you know, it's something to talk about. It's not like I'm saying, Hey, I iced the puck 27 times in 1983, right? It was, it actually worked out well, but so he knows this. And so he does it on purpose. So he always gets the number wrong. He knows it's 108. And so he'll say, Oh, you got 107 and 109. He does it all the time. This started when we were in Hartford and Paul McDermott was my roommate and my right winger. And he must've got tired of people asking and me telling this story. So wherever we would be, he would say, hey, didn't you get 105 goals? And I'd say, no, 108. And this went on, I'm telling you guys, for months. And then it finally dawned on me that, oh man, he knows how many goals it is. He's just making me say the number again. Because I caught him laughing as I was correcting himself. And I'm like, man, he just dragged me and he put the hook right in. And dragged me in. I mean, I knew nothing about Brandon when I got there. Knew, knew nothing. I had played one game there with Portland the year before, you know, when the West goes through the East. Played the one game. I got traded uh, with four other guys for a player named Blaine Crest. And so the only guys I knew were the guys in the trade. I got there the day before the first game. The only guy I'd heard of on the team was Ron Hextall. And then we started and everything went perfectly. 
I would, uh, yeah, that that is a record that'll never uh, be touched. I, I can only imagine 192 points, uh, still atop several Weeking single season uh, records. Uh, right when you said you didn't know anything about Brandon, what were your first thoughts? You know, when you rolled in, and I know you didn't really want to come to Brandon mm-hmm. originally. Uh, when you got there and settled in, what were your first real thoughts of the Wheat City? Well, what ended up happening was I flew into Winnipeg <clears throat> and actually Dean Evison's older brother, uh, Heavy, picked me up at the airport in Winnipeg. And Heavy was who passed away some time ago. It was just a fantastic guy. Awesome guy. So he picks me up. I don't know him. We're driving in <laughs> from Winnipeg. And I don't know how far out from Brandon do you see the lights of Brandon? Like uh, 15 minutes, maybe? Yeah. I say minutes? 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I said, yeah. oh, is that Brandon? And, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, we're here. And he's like, not yet. I'd never <laughs> been on the prairies, guys. Oh. I didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, where are we going? And so I got there. It, whatever the first game was, it was either end of September, early October. And the weather was spectacular. And one of the guys on the team, Brad Duggan, who came in the trade from Portland, he had a Trans Am with the T roofs. So we had the roofs off. And I'm like, Man, everybody talks about the weather, how cold it gets here. This is awesome. <laughs> and then, boom, winter came like October the 12th. And uh, so I didn't, again, started playing. You're playing junior. You don't, you don't do anything. You, I wasn't in school. Sat around all day, hung out with Ron Hextall. Um, we didn't have a gym. We didn't work out. Like, you know, we'd, we'd go to practice, come home, eat lunch. Our big go-to was craft uh, dinner. And if we wanted some protein, we'd slice up some hot dogs in there. <laughs> and that Hexy had 115 penalty minutes and 15 assists. And I had my meal, maybe I mean my year, maybe we should have kept going with it. But everybody was I, I loved it there. It was great. I played a lot. Our team was good. And it was it worked out. Honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened in my hockey career was landing in Brandon. So how did you two meet? What was that story? Uh, well, Ray doesn't, Ray doesn't remember this. Uh, I actually interviewed Ray at least twice. And, um, the first time, I mean, he looked at me like I was a, well, in, in fact, it was crowding Ray, right? He wasn't quite ready for the scrum. He was still getting his stuff off. And that was back in the day when they opened the rooms pretty quickly, right? So you, you had to be ready. And Ray was always excellent with the media. I mean, if you look back, uh, you know, through time, YouTube, there's lots of, uh, of, of video interviews of, of Ray Ferraro. Uh, but I was standing in, in line ready to, to get into the scrum. And I was standing too close and I was crowding over you. Ray, <laughs> you were sitting, taking your skates off and looked up and he's just, as, as Ray does, and he goes, can you give me a second? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I suppose I can. A little room? Okay. And I backed up, and that was it. And then you stood up, and there was four or five other people in the scrum, and away we went. So that would have been the first time I encountered Ray. But uh, in getting to know Ray, it would be through, um, I don't know, maybe the early days of Sportsnet, Ray, or you know, through the, the cycle of ESPN back in the day, and then obviously a lot more closely during our time together at, uh, at TSN. So now we've heard about Ray's first uh, encounter with Brandon. Now, Darren, let's go back to yours because with, with yours and by the way, with the media broadcast, I, I, if I remember correctly, did you also go to WABC in Saskatoon? 
Yes, I did. Because, yes, I did. Because so did I, and you were the poster boy. It was you and a couple other guys. I think Don Scott probably still has that poster up <laughs> of you as one of the as one of the students there. But uh, it was always fascinating to me going from there hearing about you and then coming here and working at the radio stations and, and you know of course hearing about number of guys who went on a national careers yourself Millard yeah. others but how did it all come about you getting your start and how did it come to the Wheat City with the Wheat Kings as well well yeah I was working at uh, CJGX GX94 in Yorkton Saskatchewan and uh, my now wife Holly was graduating high school and had been accepted Brandon University. So she was going in the fall of 1989. So I was thinking to myself, well, I mean, I, 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 if this is going to work out, I've got to get to either Brandon or, or Winnipeg. Had an opportunity to go to Winnipeg uh, and didn't take it. And then another opportunity came up to, uh, to go to CKLQ in, in Brandon. And obviously, I, I jumped on board there. So that was uh, that was the start. I, I got to tell you, fellas, like I, I spent a lot of time clearly in Brandon, but I would not be sitting here today. I wouldn't have the career that I've enjoyed without the time that I spent in in Brandon and, and getting to know the the great people in hockey and around a very vibrant sports community. As you guys know, because you live it, it's it's not just about the Brandon Weekings or hockey in that city. You know, you have to pay attention to baseball and everything that's going on there. Curling is such uh, an enormous sport in Manitoba and Western Canada as well. Um, and the university sport. So I had to do all of that stuff and uh, wouldn't be where I am without uh, enjoying the time that I spent in Brandon. I still have lots of friends back in Brandon. I don't get there as often as I'd like to, but uh, nothing but great memories of the time spent in Brandon. The alumni list, and Chris had touched on the WABC. Now, the Wheat Kings have a long list of alumni that have gone on to the NHL and, and had great careers, but CKLQ as well. Jim Houston was there for a brief bit. Of course, Darren Millard, he was there at the same time as you. You overlapped a little bit. Uh, before that, Bucky Buchanan, who was a longtime voice of the Oilers, he was there. And back yeah. in the, I think, late 50s or early 60s, uh, I can't remember the name of him off the top of my head. Uh, Dilly would know, but he left to go and be the TV guy for the Milwaukee Brewers. So there is quite the long list of, of guys that have gone from Q and moved on. Uh, I'm going to think and look at the list of who's still there. I would think the only staffer that might still be there would be Leanne Doty. Was she there when you were there back in the day? Yeah, she was there. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Steve Anteo was He just there. retired, yep. Wow. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Bill Turner. The morning guy. Bill Turner, of course. How can I forget wild old Billy? He was <laughs> something else. We used to have a lot of fun doing that morning show. Uh, but, yeah, Leanne Doty was there for sure. Yeah, she's running the morning show still to this day. Awesome. And then 40 years later. And now one of our favorite things was every time there's the the, the TSN cut in, it's that bobblehead sitting right behind you right now. The Dinger bobblehead. So when when we got that bobblehead made, we asked the company just we need the biggest actual head and shoulders of any bobblehead you could give because (laughs) he was just a man playing among boys. But, uh, you know, just kind of talk about why that bobblehead sits there. Oh well, look, I, I, uh, Dinger is uh, is one of the guys that that I think of so fondly uh, in terms of my developmental years in broadcasting, and and there were a few. I mean, Kevin Shevelev was a great leader for the brand in Wheat Kings, and you know I've known him basically all of our adult lives. Uh, but Dinger and I used to share a, a seat, a row on the brand in Wheat Kings bus. 
And I mean, he was an enormous human being. He still is. So I'd sneak him pizza. I mean, I'd get the same amount of food that every player on the Wheat Kings team got. You know, we'd stop at Elkhorn and the ladies always had this unbelievable uh, smorg, this buffet set up. And Denger would say, hey, get more because I'm hungry. You know, and he didn't want Kelly McCrimmon or anybody to know that he was eating as much as he was eating. Um, so I always stayed in touch with Denger and he obviously enjoyed an unbelievable and fortunate NHL career with the Stanley Cup wins and, and whatnot. But uh, so I've got a few bobbleheads, but that one isn't going anywhere. That one's going into uh, into the vault here when I retire. That one's staying with me. You touched on life uh, on the bus, uh, Dregs. And I imagine, Ray, for you going from Portland, where the travel's pretty minimal uh, and short, everything's pretty close, to Brandon. That first long bus trip where you say you're going to Edmonton or Calgary, uh, what were you thinking? And did you pack enough to keep yourself occupied, whether it be magazines or crosswords? or What were you doing to keep busy? Well, in Portland, the year I was there, there was just five teams in the Western Division. So we played everybody like... 13 times. So you'd go to Kelowna and then to Kamloops. But mostly we were in Seattle, which was two and a half hours and a, you know, a trip to Victoria. That was it. Like it was, it was easy. So I get to Brandon. First, first home and home was Winnipeg. They, were, they still had a team at the time. And, you know, that wasn't bad. I'm like, you know, I didn't even really think of it. But then all of a sudden you start getting stretched out and you get in, you know, it was, always so much fun going into Saskatoon and Regina and oh, when you finish the trip in Prince Albert and just, and you get up there and Dave Manson and Ken Baumgartner waiting for you. And you, and then you'd get, you know, you get pummeled around for the weekend and then you bust back. And then our boss, I don't know when they would have retired this thing, but the bus was, it had two, two bunks on each side in the back. And the vets got the bunks. So I shared yeah. a bunk with Hexy. And so my head was at one end of the bunk and Hexy's head was at the other. But he was way taller. So when he'd be kicking around in his sleep, like, he, you know, <laughs> I'd be getting his knee right in my, you know, it's not exactly the most comfortable bus ride around. But we had the bunks. Everybody else is on this old springless bus. And enough food. I mean, I don't know how much McDonald's can you eat, how much, whatever we were eating, right? Like, I don't even remember, but you talk about the one stop there, Dregs, that you'd go in and there would be a meal, a buffet, and you'd get that. That was just to get you, because you had eight hours to go. <laughs> I scored seven goals one night against Prince Albert in Brandon. We played the next night in Calgary. And I remember we lost 9-2. And <laughs> About halfway through the second period, somebody for Calgary were lined up at a draw. And of course, there's no internet back then. Someone, whoever it was, goes, did you score seven goals last night? Like, they, it, it, like the news just got there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, of course, our coach was Jack Sankster. And he's like, you guys got to dig in. Dig in. We just dig took in. 13 hours. We got nothing. <laughs> well, and we still there. stop in Elkhorn. I can tell you that, Dregs. The tradition oh, continues. Every nice. time the bus goes to Regina, Moose Jaw, and the odd time Saskatoon, depending on the wow. travel. Uh, Dave Lowry, this was his first experience in Elkhorn. And so, Dave, obviously coming from L.A. preseason, we 
pulled into Elkhorn and there's a full turkey dinner, stuffing, <laughs> potatoes, gravy, chocolate cake. And he looked around and said, well, I'm not in LA anymore. <laughs> that was uh, the first uh, thing he said. But by the end, he was going back for seconds. He absolutely oh, loved it. I love yeah, that that stop did. came up because whenever we post that on social media, when we do that stop as well, all the alumni, that's like the one oh, post yeah. they want to chirp in on because they all remember that stop and just how amazing that meal that those, those ladies put on. Look, it, 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 it's not even a fair comparison because Elkhorn is so much better than anything else. But my second, uh, second favorite stop on that tour, and I don't know that this restaurant is still active, it was a TNT in Swift Current, all right? And the only reason it matters it's is It's Houston's because, now, I think, isn't it? All right. Well, you, next time you talk to Kelly McCrimmon, you got to ask him about this because you remember Mark Johnson used to be an assistant coach with, with the Brandon Wheat Kings back in the day. Just, I just saw him today. He's actually on our scouting staff. Awesome. Johnny, say hello for me because he's good people. And we'd go into the TNT, and they had a buffet-style meal as well. But they'd have like chicken cutlets and he'd stack them like pancakes and then he'd pour the gravy over the stack of cutlets and automatically he'd have one eye that would go all wonky. And so at one point I'm sitting across the table laughing at him and I'm like, it's like you got wing eye or something. Every time, you know, you, you get hungry and you're just so looking forward to this meal your eye starts to twitch. So the next time you see Kelly, just ask him about Johnny's wing eye from the TNT and Swift Current. Done. One of the great things about the We King logo, and, and you, you guys both know this, and I think, Ray, about two years ago, you and Gord were in Edmonton getting set to do a Toronto-Edmonton game, and we were unpacking in the visitor locker room. And you guys happened to walk by, and you guys stopped in and said a few words to the group, which was awesome. But... You know, every time we go somewhere, the logo is so noticeable and it brings up such a discussion point because of guys like you, uh, you know, Ron Hextall and, and you know, Kelly McCrimmon and all the current players and all the alumni that go along with it. Is that a, a regular talking point at different rinks? Because I imagine it's hard, I'll start with you, Dregs, to go to a rink and not run into somebody who somewhere along the line had something to do with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Yeah, no question about that. And uh it, it, it often is brought up, you know, Chris Phillips had, you know, his uh, sweater retired by the Ottawa Senators uh, earlier in the season. And and obviously there was a good group there. And lots of the stories revolve around the fact that, you know, he, he played a ton in, in the Western Hockey League, uh, starting with the, the Prince Albert Raiders. But Wade Redden, of course, was there and in helping celebrate that night. And man, we shared a dozen different great stories. So, you know, there's uh, there's connections, and given the history of, of Ray and, and what he did in a Brandon Wheat Kings uniform, the Brandon Wheat Kings and that history often comes up because on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast, some of our best shows, and, and Ray, you can jump in on this, are based on, you know, the stories that happen, not only in the National Hockey League, but dating back to, you know, the infamous brawl uh, in the WHL way back in the day and whatnot. So that always finds a way to circle back to Brandon in some fashion. The, um, you know, for myself, I, you know, I'm, I'm always connected to Hexy through that year. I mean, I, we, we were talking this year and like, we've known each other now for over 30 years. And we're like, man, like, how did that, how did we come together? Just like it was, you know, that trade could have been made me to somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Like Hex was already a mainstay. And so we see each other. We start to talk. We reminisce. We talk about somebody else that we played with or played against. Somebody will come along and then 
pretty soon you're in a, as Drake's mentioned, you're in a bigger conversation. And so we had Dean Evison on our, uh, on our podcast. And of course, Dean is, you know, is from Brandon and or Flint Flon, but then into Brandon and so much connection through the Manitoba hockey scene. The other thing about the Wheat Kings is the logo really, although there's been a couple of changes to it over time, it's never really changed. Yeah. So everybody knows it. It's like there's certain teams that don't change. The ones that change all the team time, in my opinion, lose their history. Yeah. They lose their connection. And while the Wheat Kings have had a couple of different logos or changed it up, uh, you know, the font and the logo or things like that, it's never really changed. And I, I think that matters. Now, somebody this year, I was sending or watching uh, the 1983, I guess, Montreal-Quebec uh, playoff series. And it just erupted into three wild brawls at the end of the second <laughs> period. And so I tweeted out that I was watching it. And somebody sent me about 10 seconds of footage of a brawl we had with, <laughs> in Regina. And, like, you can't even believe it. First of all, there's no glass in the penalty box. Stu Grimson's in the penalty box. And when Hexy clunks their goalie with his stick, <laughs> his stick doesn't even make contact. And Grimson jumps over the penalty box. So the brawl's on again. So I sent it to Hex and I go, because Hexy got eight games. He had eight game suspension. We were outraged. He would have got eight years if that was him. <laughs> and so I said, Hexy, you can't do that. And he said, I know you should get 10 games for jumping out of the penalty box. <laughs> was, but we're looking at it and, it and we all like have such fondness for that time because for a lot of us, hey, look, Dregs' career was a springboard in Brandon. It started and grew. Mine started and grew from Brandon. I came to Brandon wondering if I could be an NHL player. And I left and I was like, you know what? I can do this. I, I can go play. Now I just got to make it. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see all of the paths in the different directions, whether it be the trainers, equipment managers, coaches, assistant coaches that have all started somewhere. I mean, obviously, the Vegas staff right now, you got Ryan Craig on there who probably would have overlapped a little bit with you, Dregs, at some point in the 90s, late 90s. But, um, you know, for you two guys especially to, to reach the pinnacle of where you're at and now into the, you know, I guess – I want to say the back nine of this uh, media career for you two guys. Is it at all what you expected? Like Ray, when you were winding down, did you say I'm going to be on TV or were you one that was like, I might might get into coaching. What was your mindset as you were getting close to retiring? Um, So I got really lucky. Um, I I signed with the Rangers as a free agent. And later that year I got traded. I was not very happy, but I got traded to Los Angeles. So LA was out of the playoffs. Uh, I got a phone call from a guy at ESPN named Barry Sachs. And Barry turned out to be a mentor and a friend and uh, a really great supporter for me. And he called and said, hey, would you like to, once the season's over, would you like to come to ESPN and work on NHL tonight, the highlight show? And I said, well, I don't know. I've never done anything before. And he's like, look, I've seen you do interviews for years. I think you could be good at this. Would you like to try? So I said, sure, I'll come. So I went for two weeks. My first day, I finished. I mean, there's only two cameras, right, in the studio. One's got a red light on, one doesn't. You look, talk to the one with the red <laughs> light. It's not, you know, it's not that hard. I was so nervous, guys. I had sweat stains from my elbows to my waist. I was scared <laughs> to death. And so, but it, I, it turned out 
pretty good because when I finished, they said, next year, uh, we want you to come back for longer. So the broadcasting kind of just fell into my lap, but I always thought I would coach or manage. And so I thought when I, re I retired in May of 02 and I started working for Sportsnet doing the Edmonton Oilers games in October of 02. So, you know, just the off season. So I thought I would do that for a little bit and then get into coaching. But I'd, I'd gotten divorced and I wasn't going to move away from my older boys who are now 31 and 28. And so broadcasting became what I was going to do. And then I don't know that I had any real plans, but all of a sudden I was doing it all the time. I love the games. I love being live. I, I much prefer it to studio and and I just, my career just kind of grew from there. I got, I got, again, it's timing and luck. And then you do something with both of those, I guess. I guess I could have did a good enough job that they brought me back. I love it. It's been 18 years now and I can't yeah. believe it. You know what? I, I, and essentially the same for me. Um, it is timing and it is luck as, as Ray talks about. Uh, I was in Winnipeg, you know, working at CKY television and had pretty much had enough. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets had, had been pulled out of Winnipeg and they were now the Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Phoenix Coyotes. And I was like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm not making enough money. Um, maybe this is the end of the line for me. And in fact, I actually signed up to uh, get my real estate license and I was moving back to Brandon in 97. My wife was teaching high school in Brandon and that was my, my plan. I was going to get out of the business and uh, moved back to Brandon to become a highly successful real estate agent. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, my boss at CKY ended up moving to Edmonton uh, to become the general manager of then A Channel. And he called me in 97, the summer of 97, and he said, hey, look, I need a sports director. I need somebody to come in who's going to host Edmonton Oilers games on A Channel. Are you interested? And of course, I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And that's exactly what I did. I spent 10 months uh, in Edmonton doing what, uh, uh, you know, doing the, the, the TV thing for A Channel and hosting Edmonton Oilers games. And in 1998, timing and opportunity was there again. And I was part of uh, the launch crew that uh, is now Sportsnet. So timing is everything, as they say. Just think, Drake, that's one phone call. That one phone call changed the course of everything for you. 100% everything. Absolutely everything. I had signed up to take this course. I was dealing with agents and Brandon who were telling me, okay, look, it's not that difficult. You'll be fine. You know, we, we've got a spot for you here. I think the guy's name is Brad Munn. Is Brad Munn still there? Oh, you know? yeah. Yep. So, well, there you go. So yep. that's, uh, that's how things uh, change with, as Ray says, a, a simple phone call. And, uh, Without that phone call, obviously, I wouldn't be sitting here, but I might be sitting where you are, Brandon. So, <laughs> See, here's the thing, though, Dregs. Had you gotten your uh, real estate license, you'd have been competing with the mogul and former teammate of Ray Ferraro, Cam Plant, who oh, is now no. Brandon's one of Brandon's biggest real estate guys. So you would have been battling with him. I, I'm glad he's, do, he's doing that, but, man, could that guy pass the puck. He's, he, his assist numbers alone speak for themselves. Had, I think he had 118 assists the uh, the year that uh, I got 108 goals. And I'd stand there and Cam would kind of like, dum, dum, da, dum, you know, he'd always hold the puck. No, <laughs> never a heartbeat. Like never, 
nothing was going to bug him. And then all of a sudden, zip, it would be right on my stick. <laughs> like, oh, he was, he could pass the puck, man. One of the questions I got, Ray, texted to me from one of my buddies. Now, obviously, growing up in Manitoba, we got a lot of Oiler games, a lot of regional games. For whatever reason, Oiler games weren't blacked out in Boys of Ain, Manitoba when I was growing up. It seemed like everything East was. But one of uh, our favorite Ray Ferraro moments was the Patrick Steffen missed empty net. Now, <laughs> I, I know that the, the stereotype of Ray Ferraro is kind of the, the crotchety, grumpy old man that Dregs portrays you as. Yes, he does. But were you actually visibly upset at Patrick Stefan? Because it sure sounded like <laughs> I'll tell you, this is, I was really angry <laughs> because I played with Patrick for to almost three years in, in Atlanta. And everything about that play <laughs> seemed familiar. Like, okay, so he's got a breakaway on an empty net, right? Everybody else in the rink has fallen over. He's an NHL player. Just <laughs> shoot it in the damn net. But he took it in and he was going to just like touch it softly into the net. Everything about Patty, and I will tell you, he is about as nice a person as you could come across. And that was not good being a professional hockey player <laughs> so i the play was so soft like he just trying to touch it in on his backhand that bothered me like you couldn't believe i'm like how did you shoot it in the damn net and then of course when he fell to make matters worse he's trying now he's panicking and he ends up putting it right on the tape i forget who got it first was it ryan smith maybe took it up the left wing and no somebody threw a long pass yeah. to Smith got it, gave it to Hemsky. It might have been, it might have been Jarrett Stoll. It was. Stoley got it and just fired this long bomb up the air because there was only five seconds left. Shoot it in the net. Yes, I was mad. Did he ever say anything to you? That's the question was, did Patrick Stefan ever say anything to you about that? Well, I'd say a couple of years later I ran into him at an airport and that's Patty. Like he, he was like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey Patty, how are you? Good to see you. He coaches minor hockey, his kids are getting older and um, you know, he's, he's doing great, but I was angry. I, I, I was, look, I think you still are a little bit <laughs> now. Yes. Just shoot it in the net. The, the whole, there's not too much that gets me angry anymore. I don't have much anymore. It's like, I don't know, doing it. You, you don't want to, guy doesn't want to shake hands after a series. I don't care. Don't shake hands. It's up to you. I don't care. Are you referring to Isaiah Thomas by chance? (laughs) No, yeah, well, that was was something. Okay, put it this way. There is nobody, like Michael Jordan hates Isaiah Thomas 30 years later. Like, seriously, get past it. Yeah. That's that's not, I I, was a certain way, I think. um, I felt like my whole career I had to fight. I was too small, too slow, not tough enough. Everywhere I went, it was the same thing. And it sat like right here. And I felt like I fought that all the time. And it took me a long time to walk past that. And, you know, Cammy's just walking in here now, but like she's helped me a great deal getting past that because I just, I couldn't stop, man. It's like Jordan's hyper competitiveness. I see it. I just, I, I can see it. It's work for me. We play, we play Scrabble. I don't know that I've ever beat her. <laughs> Bugs me like you can't believe. 
but I finally am able to take it and go, yeah, she's just better than me. I, I, but before, no chance. I, I, I just, there was no chance. <laughs> and don't let Drake's kid you. It's not like he's, for, you know, Charlie carefree either. Drake's very competitive I, yourself? Uh, yeah, I can be competitive. No question about that. Uh, like Can't Ray, I've, I've, I've mellowed over time. Um, hey, look, well, I'm a bit of a dog and a bone. I think that makes sense. When I'm on to something, uh, I will stop at nothing to make sure that I find out what I'm looking for. Um, and, and there's lots of that, but you know, as soon as Ray talked about losing to Cami and Scrabble, I just had to bring this up. So I've got uh, a 21 year old daughter who just finished her third year at Ryerson in Toronto. She's going to be a lawyer. And my son just finished his first year at Guelph. He wants to be a lawyer. So it doesn't come from me. These kids are smart that, you know, <laughs> it, it clearly comes from my wife. I won three of five Scrabble games yesterday. Three of five against that group. Okay. Now, do you know all those? I, I think it's almost cheating. The two-letter words? The two-letter words and things? Do you yeah. know those? I, I know a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you use any? Because they're not even really words. <laughs> hey, I am an absolute hound when it comes to the triple word score or the triple letter. She'll put down three letters and go, dig, 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 47. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, the game's over. Like, well, I can't do that. It's yeah. not even a word. I think they should be banned. <laughs> that's probably the, that's a, that's a poor uh, argument for the whole NCAA versus Western Hockey League thing. <laughs> it really is. Isn't Your it? wife had a lot more classroom time than you did, I think. To learn <laughs> the words. I think if you don't use the word in everyday speech, you can't put it on a Scrabble board. That's, I, that's, that's a good rule. <laughs> I just invented that. It would give me a chance. But, uh, <laughs> three out of five drinks. I, would hey, have I, argued, I used the word Dixie, D-I-X-I-E, and it was for like 52 points, right? Because there's the X in there, and it was on a triple word and all of this. And we had a sound debate over whether or not it was a usable word. But there's actually something you can Google that tells you immediately whether or not it is a Scrabble acceptable word. And it was. I knew it was. Nobody else knew it was, but I knew it was. So I'm, I'm sure once you found out it was a usable word, though, I'm sure you dealt with it with great humility. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at <laughs> those cupboards have like prison markings of all of his wins in behind him. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about like how great the Wee King logo was, but Ray, you've worn a lot of great logos uh, over yes. your career. What what are some that 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 stick out among your journey? Well, I think the Whaler jersey is one of the best ever created. Um, I'm very glad that, that you started there because yeah, that's where I was yeah. going to start as well. So, like, obviously you look at it and there's the whale tail across the top. There's the H and then the W. And I think it's an incredibly creative jersey. Now, our minor league team was in Binghamton. So they just took the jersey and twisted it. So it was a B. We were in Binghamton. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so we said... In the American League, we were a quarter turn from the NHL. <laughs> I love that jersey. I, I thought it was awesome. I I mean, I I like the tradition of the Rangers, you know, like wearing the red pants and stuff that you felt like you were in a big, you know, a big place. The St. Louis Blues logo is 
amazing. Uh, I love the blue note. I think the color scheme of the Islanders was my favorite though. I just, I like the orange and the blue and the way it all came together. That crest was just so, well, it was iconic really, you know, that once they won the Stanley Cups. The worst jersey I wore, not even close, was the LA Kings jersey. Um, it had the Joker. It, it was like the, it, do you guys remember that? Yeah, it was yeah I think I do, yeah. We were so embarrassed to put this thing on. It, we looked like, it looked like the Burger King guy. Right. <laughs> it did. It was terrible. Like you could have ordered two Whoppers and gone out for the warm up. <laughs> it was, it was, that was by far the worst Jersey that, that we put on. And because the NHL wasn't the same as it is now, we had black and silver gloves. These jerseys were purple and yellow and gray. Like none of the gloves or the helmets or the pants match. Nobody had any shells. Right. So you had mismatched <laughs> uniforms. It was terrible. We looked like a bunch of clowns. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask both of you. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, from Dragger's perspective, best and worst Western Hockey League broadcast locations, and then Ray, best and worst arena to play in in the Western Hockey League. Oh, got to be careful because I'm sure you've got fans in both cities. But you know what? I got to go back. So Swift Current was a bit sketchy. Um, if, if memory serves, I think you had to climb a ladder to. You still get do. Into it. Yeah, but you're pretty close to the ice, so the vantage is fine. That's not a big deal. The worst for me was the Tacoma Dome in Tacoma, Washington. And it was like a soccer facility. So, you you know, you had the, the long, drawn-out seating arrangement. So I nobody told me, Rick Delabo didn't tell me you need to take binoculars to call the Tri-City Americans and the Brandon Weed Kings. And, I mean, my eyesight was pretty good. I was a young man back then. If I had to call that game now, forget about it. I mean, you couldn't – there's no way you could see the players from that vantage point. So that was uh, – that probably was the toughest one for me. Uh, for me, the by far the – well, not by far because it's a tie. The worst arena in the Western League, thankfully they're both out of there now, is the old building in Saskatoon. Oh, Yeah. I don't know who thought it was a really good idea that the doors would open out onto the ice. <laughs> the, benches, the doors would open on the ice. Like, who thought that was a good idea? There'd be somebody going down, there'd be a change, boom, the guy would skate right into the door. Like, it was brutal. And that, but that was only in a tie with the old rink in Seattle. So that dump had kind of square corners. And so they had a rubber stopper around the boards so the Zamboni could get in there and it would go, it would hug the rubber stopper. So you'd be going down the boards and somebody would rub you out and your shoulder would stick on this rubber and all of a sudden your feet would be like up at your head. And the, there was no glass. It was all chicken wire oh all the way around. So when we went in there with Portland, it was, it was a gong show in there. And the, you know, all the fans that sat by the ice, they were all like 25-year-old or little younger college people. There'd be fights going on. You'd get hit in the back with a beer. <laughs> like, they'd just throw it right through the screen on you. You smelled like a brewery. Our bench smelled like a brewery by the end of the period. The the best, right, the, like, Portland was beautiful. You know, the um, it was the Memorial Coliseum, them, and, and that, it was a pretty brand-new brand new facility. I, I loved it in Brandon. The ice was always great. The fans were close, you know, and, and we did well. So I would say those were my two 
two favorite ranks. Did they still have the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair? In Brandon, when when healthy enough to, to host this event, of course, yeah, yeah. Is, this, is was it, the, this was the this was was the first year they've never not had right. it in the one hundred whatever so many years they've been doing it. And is that normally in March? It's first round of playoffs. Yeah, every yeah. year. Yeah, every year. So uh, you know, of course, if the Weekings don't get home ice, then yeah. we have to play not in our building. So yeah, yeah. Well, I always remembered the the complaining afterwards, right? Because you'd get that lovely aroma of uh, you know. Cow, horse, <laughs> livestock in yeah. general. That is a true home ice advantage. <laughs> Agricultural to, money. Come on. I, <laughs> yes, exactly. I said to Mark Habscheid uh, one time before a game against P. I said, what was it like to play here? And he said, it was awful because the second you got off the bus, if you were a city kid, that smell got in your nose and you just couldn't get rid of it <laughs> for the whole game. Uh, Ray, the other question I had here actually came from my father-in-law who said that when uh, back in the 80s, you guys had to play a preseason game or a regular season game, he couldn't remember, in the town of Verdon. Now, you were on that roster. Now, that rink's no longer here. That's where I live. I live uh, on a farm just north of Verdon. Uh, the rink's gone. They've built a new one. But he said you guys had to play in the building, and it was packed to the rafters with people. But he couldn't remember if it was regular season or preseason. Do you remember anything about uh, that? Regular season. And I want to – I forget why we didn't have the rink at home. Now, could it have been – It probably could have been the fair. Because of the fair. I could have been. It was – it was, I know it was late in the year, and I remember we were like, why are we going? <laughs> this is crazy. We were, you know, it was late. We needed the points. And that place, and I want to say that, Rick, could it have been a 1,000 people? Yeah, maybe if you crammed them in, yeah. And it was packed. There was people hanging out of everywhere. <laughs> and, of course, when you're the home team, that's a good thing. The visitors came in there and they're probably like, wait a minute. Are we? I can't remember who we played, but yeah, that was regular season for sure. That's awesome. I, that's a memory that I know that a lot of people have mentioned me in the past. Uh, hey, Ray Ferraro played in the building and nobody could remember what, why, what was going on. It had to be because of the fair. Like yeah. it had to be. Yeah. I just I, can't think of another reason why we wouldn't have had, uh, had the rank. Must have been the fair. That's, that thing's kicked the Wheat Kings out of very opportune <laughs> home ice advantage in the playoffs. I've been – so this is my – I'll be going into my fifth year, and I've called one home playoff game at the Keystone Center. Everything else <laughs> has been in Dauphin. Uh, we were scheduled to play in Verdon again in the new rink had the team not gotten home ice advantage this year. Uh, it's been a trying time since the championship season to get home ice advantage. So got to get that fair – uh, you'll never move it. It was here first. No. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to get it to move. I guess what? You're not going to win that one. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, we should uh, wrap things up. Chris, you got any other questions or anything for these fellows? Well, before we do, we have to do the make a face because we got to get our thumbnail set for this video portion. Right. So we're going to count to three, and you guys can make whatever face you want. If you want to be super serious, keep it straight-faced. If you want to give us a smile, it's up to you. But we're going to do it in the count of three. So here we go. Make a face. You're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> in one, two, three. Three. All right, there you go. <laughs> I just got a text, Ray, uh, from uh, a, a longtime Wee King fan. He said it was a playoff game against the Lethbridge Broncos. He just texted we, me that. And we, that was, a, so it had to be for the fair. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. Yeah, there you go. So it definitely would have been the fair. So people does remember this. Does he know this? <laughs> Joel, if you're I listening, do you know the score? Ray wants to know. 
All right. And then maybe one last question. And obviously, Aaron here is also, like us, a, a listener to your guys' podcast. He wants to know the best and worst smoker dinner. The worst smoker dinner? Yeah, the best and worst smoker dinner. Like, is that a, is that a hobby for... Dreads with your smoking, such, with your he's smoking. He's such a dinner. barbecue chef, you know. He's such a. Oh. He's spending all of his time smoking. Yes, with the dinner. Yeah, sorry, smoke meats. Like, he was like smoking a cigarette here. No, yeah. no, oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, again, at the top of the podcast about smoking meats and. For, anyway. the, for the skill, apparently it takes. He's probably doing it right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Calm down. Now, look at at least in Saskatchewan. Um, you, you know, you go to curling events and whatever else, and they'd have a, a party, like a gathering afterwards, and they'd call it a smoker. Yeah. So it was like a get-together. So that's why I was confused. I was like, what are you talking about? What kind of smoker dinner are we talking about? <laughs> um, I, I do a pretty mean brisket, man. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And in fact, I've uh, got one already set up. It'll be going on the smoker either Saturday or Sunday. Good eight, eight and a half hours at around 220 degrees and a little apple wood on the charcoal and, and you're set. So as long as you're there to babysit, I know Ray makes fun of me, doesn't think there's anything to it. You just set it and forget it. Um, that's not necessarily the case. There's well, actually- What do you do? I, I'm still like, what do you do? <laughs> you go and stare at it. Yeah, it's still fire, still burning. Then you go back home. <laughs> this- no, you, you have to keep it to within a set temperature, like somewhere between 220 and 235 is what optimal. What do you do to do that? Nothing. No, you got to work the vents. <laughs> you got to shake up the coals. You got to make sure that you've put enough charcoal initially on there to sustain the fire because- Okay, so educate me here. Once you get it started, yeah, right? And you've done the thingy-majiggy. Yeah, what's the first How thing I do? Are you doing anything to it? Um, looking at it and going, yep, still good. <laughs> it depends how nice it is outside. If it's a nice enough day, then it's probably about a four beer smoke. <laughs> so I, I don't want to get caught drinking too many beers. So I do a lot in that four or five hour span of whatever it is. If it's not very nice out, uh, again, I'll look. I actually have an electronic thermometer that I carry with me. So if it drops or goes beyond that 235, an alarm goes off on my belt. And then I got to go down and check it out. I picture it like a holster for an old cowboy. And he's just got this thermometer in one and barbecue sauce yeah. in the other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some old timers listening that are just, they're, they're disgusted with you. <laughs> you got uh, right. You have to spend Joel your replied. time somehow these days. You have to yeah. spend your time uh, somehow. Joel replied, he said he doesn't remember the score, but Brandon did win that playoff game against Lethbridge. So you guys did win. Uh, speaking of smokers, Dregs, on Saturday night, I had smoked bear for the first time. Uh, it was a bear shoulder that my brother-in-law then pulled into kind of a pulled pork style sandwich. I would recommend that. I don't think you can get it at a restaurant anywhere, but uh, I would recommend it if you ever got the chance at a outfitter or a hunter. It was fantastic. You know what? I, I'm an Eastern snob now. I don't eat animals that scavenge. I'm sorry. I'm I'm like that with fish. I barely eat lobster because I found out five or six years ago that a lobster, I know it lives on the bottom of the ocean, but it eats all the fish feces and everything else. <laughs> so that automatically threw me off my game. So uh, You still have like I'll jumper though, eh? Like venison? You still take that. Oh, buddy. You mix that with pork. You make sausage. Absolutely. Moose, elk. Uh, deer, 
any of that, I'm good. I don't know. Where do you think they eat? The restaurant? You can keep your Western Canadian card. Bear is off the menu over here as well. I don't know what that's about. (laughs) It was good. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to... to, 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 What was that? There'll be no bear in the furrow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your night to come on and uh, and talk to you guys here. I re- re- like really do appreciate it. Obviously, ah, uh, you bet, fellas. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, and uh, maybe next winter when we're hopefully back to something whatever normal is, we can do it again. That's going to do it for the weekly harvest podcast for this week. Another another great episode. Thank you very much, Crow. Are we going to let them know who we got next week? Or are we going to keep that a secret we, for now? Um, uh, we may as well. We we kind of made a theme of. Letting people know. Uh, we're sticking with the broadcaster theme next week. Now, this is a guy not many people probably around Manitoba uh, know. He's not really a household name, but he's one of the, you know, one of the arguably one of the best radio broadcasters in the NHL. Dan Duva. He's the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, on radio. And uh, he had reached out. To, we're going to have him on next week. Uh, he's got some great stories. Of course, he's worked very closely with Kelly McCrimmon uh, and the crew there, you know, Ryan Craig and, you know, Ryan Reeves and Mark Stone. And, the, and he's got a ton of weekend connections as well. So Dan Duva, the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, will be our guest next week. And if you want to see a guest, uh, send us an email. Send either one of us a tweet, qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Throw a suggestion our way and uh, we'll, we'll reach out and uh, see what we can come up with. There it is. You know what? We did not time this. I, I, I should have said this because it's going to look like, like we were so pro. As you were giving out the email, I put up the email on the screen. <laughs> like it was, it it's was, a well it was beautiful timing. If only it was actually planned that way. But qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Again, send us an email, drop it there. I'll be back live again next Monday at 8 o'clock. Or if you're listening to this during the whenever you want, traditional podcast means we appreciate that as well. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk to you again next Monday. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.